Awesome. Exodus chapter two. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if she'd have thought he was ugly, what she'd have done with him. But anyhow. <laughs> All right. But, <laughs> but when she could hide him no longer, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, <laughs> daubed him with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you uh, for the fact that you are drawing out of us the thing that you put in us. Thank you, God, that you care about our lives, that you are concerned about where we are even now, that you are with us not only on the mountaintops of our lives, but you are even closer even in the valley. Even in the valley. God, the Bible teaches us that you are near to the brokenhearted. And so today, God, wherever we are, whatever our condition, you are near, you are with us, and we thank you that you are calling us to the place that you have for us, that you refuse to shut your mouth over our life, that you are constantly, your voice is constantly pulling out of us the thing that you put into us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen. You know, this is a really cool story, and this is probably the most iconic story in all of the Bible, uh, this or Noah. Um, but uh, here we find the call uh, in Exodus 3, we find the call of Moses. But here in Exodus chapter 2, we discover kind of Moses' birth circumstance. And Moses is born in a day where the Pharaoh is, he's really upset because the people of God that he has taken captive, um, they're doing better in their captivity than he thought they would be doing. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that the more they were persecuted and the harder he treated them, the more they grew. Isn't that an amazing principle? That sometimes we can think that if we're in a very difficult situation, that maybe we're not growing much. But can I tell you that usually the most growth that happens in your life are the toughest times of your life, are the difficult times in your life, are the times when you think nothing is actually happening, the times when you think every door is locked and nothing is opening up and everything is pressing in on you. Can I tell you, if you are God's child, then you can grow in any and every circumstance. And I believe you can even flourish in situations where people are taking advantage of you, where people are pressing against you, where people are persecuting you. There is nothing 
too hard for God. Matter of fact, the harder it gets, it seems the better God works. Is there anybody in here that knows that? That God does his best work in the most difficult situations. And so we find here that Moses is born in a time where all of the young boys are being killed because of the fact of God's people growing so large and so much in number. And I want to teach you some thoughts about how God begins uh, to work in your life and some of the process that God takes you through as he is drawing out the call of God on your life. I believe that every person in here is called by God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to be conformed into the image of his son. Can I tell you that God foreknew you? What that means is God knew you before anybody else knew you. That before you even were a thought in your mom and dad's mind, that before you were given a name in this earth, God knew you by name. And God had a time and a place and a space for you to operate and do what he had called you to do. He foreknew you. That means he has knowledge about you that nobody else has about you. And so that's why it doesn't matter what people say about you. That's why it doesn't matter what the circumstances of your birth are. That's why it doesn't matter what the doctors have said, what the, the psychiatrist has said, what your teacher has said, what the counselors. It only matters what God says because he foreknew you. He knew you before anybody else knew you. People know about you, but God knows why he put you here. People can make judgments about your past. People can make judgments about where you have come from, but they don't know why you exist. God knows why he breathes your life into existence. Can anybody say amen? So in order to discover what I'm here for, I have to go to the one who foreknew me. Isn't it funny? We spend so much of life pursuing things to try to discover who we are when if we just would build a relationship with the one who knows who we are, we wouldn't spend so much of our effort trying to get people to tell us who we are. Isn't that amazing? And so the Bible teaches us here that God has a call on the life of Moses, just like he does with you. He's, he's called you. He foreknew you. He predestined you. In other words, God has a destiny for you. But can I tell you God's destination for you is also his preference for you. Why? Because he gives you free will. God's will is, as, as far as your life is concerned, God's destiny for your life, the destination that he has for you is also a preference that he has because he cannot overwhelm your free will. He has to let you do what you want to do. That's why love is such a powerful thing because he doesn't make us love him. He gives us the choice to love him. In everything, we have a choice. There is a destination, but we have a choice. Do I want to go to the destination that God has for my life? Those he foreknew, he did predestine to be what? Conformed into the image of his son. Above all things that God wants to do in your life is he wants to make you more and more like Jesus. Before he wants to make your bank account big, before he wants to give you a promotion, before he wants to give you all of the things that you dream about and pray about, he truly wants you to become more like his son. That's why very often God, God spends more time working on your character than you think he should. <laughs> A lot of people in this room like, God, haven't you developed me enough? And God is like, no, you lost it 
over your uncooked steak two weeks ago. You ain't ready yet. Like, I still have some work I need to do in your life. So let's kind of talk about this process, and let's use the life of Moses to kind of work this out today. One of the first things I notice about this story, one of the things I see that God will do for us as he's bringing us into our calling is the Bible tells us in verse two, I'm sorry, verse three of Exodus chapter two, that his mom, she hid him. She hid him. She hid him. Psalm 32 and 20, the Bible says that you hide me in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? That God hides us, that he hides us. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. God hides us. He hides us for our safety. He hides us for our safety. Do you remember the Bible was, it's in, in the New Testament, there's a story of Jesus and he's doing all of these mighty works and people get really uh, amped up about it. And there were some people that sought to actually take him captive and, 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 and kill him at that moment. And the Bible says that Jesus literally disappeared in the crowd. God has this ability to hide you for your purpose, to put you uh, in a safe place, in a secret place, in a place that, watch this, sometimes it doesn't look safe, but it is safe. <laughs> when you look at this story, could you imagine as a parent the desperation for your child's life that you would feel to take them, to put them in a box, basically, and set them and hide them in the water so that they would not be killed by the Egyptians. Can you imagine the desperation, the, the, the thought, the extent of the danger that you are in to have to do that? I mean, of all of the places she could hide him, of all of the places she could have put him, you have to understand, this is not just like, this isn't, this isn't some creek in your backyard. This is Egypt. This is the Nile. There are alligators. There are, there are things, there are, are lions, literally, animals that would hide in the reeds to capture and take their prey. And she literally sits him in the middle. But isn't it funny that Psalms, David recognized that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes the safest place for you to be is surrounded by your enemies. See, that doesn't make sense to us. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind that in order to protect me, God is gonna put me in a dangerous place. But in that place, he is going to protect me from all of the outside forces that would try to harm me. So God will hide you. And, and listen, some people think that because they are in a, a dangerous 
place, or they come from um, maybe a background that, that isn't um, where normal normally people would come from and be successful or be called or have a purpose. God says, the reason I put you in that place is because this is where I needed to hide you to preserve what I had put in you. If I had put you somewhere else, it wouldn't have preserved the thing that I had put in you, and you would have been exposed at a time you weren't ready to be exposed. So I hid you because I needed to hide you because what was in you was so important. See, God doesn't hide you to put you underground so nobody will see you. It's not just that. He hides you because what is in you is so important that it can't be exposed before it's time. You are necessary. You are needed. You have value. There is purpose on your life. And if you don't understand that, then you will think that because of your circumstances or because of what surrounds you, God doesn't care about you. Can I, can I say this to you? Sometimes an indicator that God cares about you is that you have survived a situation you should not have survived. I don't know if anybody can look back on their life and be like, God, there were some places and some people and some situations that I was involved in that other people didn't come out in, that other people didn't make it through. There, there was a dangerous situation in my life. And if it had not been for the Lord, I would have died in that situation. But because God is hiding my life, he saved me and he brought me through it. Is there anybody thankful that God will hide us? He will hide you. And watch this, he will place you. He will place you. The Bible says in verse three that after she hid him, she couldn't hide him any longer, so she placed him in the river there. She hid him and then she placed him. Watch this, Psalm 16 and nine says, the heart of man plants his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Psalm 19 and 21 said, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So he hides you, he places you. And watch this. This is, the, this is the second thing. He will expose you. He'll expose you. The Bible teaches us that light comes to expose. That the light comes to, to show us what it is. <laughs> there are a lot of people that enjoy darkness. Why? Because the light exposes who we really are. A lot of people won't come to church, and it's not that they won't come to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites at church. That's usually an excuse. Most people won't come to church because at church, the lights get turned on. Jesus gets preached, and when Jesus gets preached, the light exposes who you are and where you're really at. And we don't like to know where we really are. We like to pretend we're somewhere we're not, right? But the light comes to expose. If you read on down in Exodus chapter two, he's hidden, he's placed. And then the Bible tells us that there's one day he's grown up now. And he goes out and he sees this Egyptian abusing a Hebrew person. And as he sees this, he attacks the man, he kills him and he buries him in the sand. Then the next day he goes out and he sees two Hebrew people fighting. And the Hebrew people, he tries to stop it, and the Hebrew people look at him and they go, what, are you gonna kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And this is what Moses said. He said this, he says, this is powerful. What I did must have become known. 
Watch this. Who you are must become known. Jeez. This is why God will take you through seasons and he will expose things in you, not to hurt you, but because what you did must become known. Because if it doesn't become known, you cannot be healed. The Bible says this, it says, he who conceals his sin, he can't find mercy. But whoever confesses his sin finds mercy. When it's concealed, you can't fix it. I've told you this before, you can't fix what you won't face. You can't, you can't, deal, you can't heal it if you won't confront it. You, and, and so many of us, we're so consumed, and we spend so much of our lives trying to conceal the thing we have done. And God says, I've got to expose it so that I can show you who you truly are. This is what the Bible is for. Hebrews 4 and 12 says this. It says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Do you know that God is concerned with your attitude? Your attitude, he's concerned with your motive. He's concerned with your thought life. And God wants to use his word to expose you to who you truly are so we can now deal with it. The same, the same word that exposes you heals you. It's a double-edged sword. It's got two edges to it. It's, it's got two purposes to it. It doesn't just expose who you are. It also heals you, and it binds up your wounds, and it causes those broken places in your life to come together. That's what God's Word does. And, and so many people are concerned about the exposure, but the exposure comes so that the healing can come. Is there anybody thankful that God exposes to heal? He doesn't expose to hurt. He doesn't call you out to make you feel awful so that you give up. He calls you out so that you can come up to the standard that he has for your life. He doesn't leave you where you are. He didn't leave Moses where he was. Moses, because of what he had done, many people would have disqualified him from any sort of ministry. Wouldn't we? You got a record, you got a prison record, you know how hard it is for people with felonies to even get just basic jobs in our economy? Why, because we hold people's past against them. And the same people that we would overlook and never choose are the same people that God runs after. He chases them down, he hunts them down and says, I want to use you. Because I could use so-and-so who's never done nothing in their life, but you know what? They won't give me the glory. But I'm going to use you, and you know you shouldn't be used, and you know I should have overlooked you, and you know I should have left you where you are, but you'll give me the glory. Is there anybody in here who would say, God deserves the glory for what he has done in my life? I don't deserve to be used one moment, one day for anything that God would do, but he has chosen me, and he's using me. He exposes us to heal us. He exposes us to heal us. Now watch this. Then he will settle you. He will settle you. Verse 21 of Exodus chapter 2, the Bible says, so Moses, he got exposed. And because he's, now he's afraid for his life because Pharaoh is going to kill him, the Bible says he runs, and he runs into the desert, and he finds himself at this well. And at this well, he's at in Midian. There's this priest who has some daughters, and while his daughters are there, these shepherds come, and they scare them off, and they're chasing them, and they're scaring them to death, and Moses, who's the deliverer, this is, 
This is his natural fight or flight. Moses is the fight. He's not the flight. So when he runs, he, he's, he's not running because he's necessarily scared. He's, he's running because he knows it's what he needs to do to preserve his life in the situation. He's not scared of Pharaoh. He's not really scared of the situation. He knows that he's got to preserve his life, so he runs. Moses' mindset is to run into the battle, not to run away from the battle. But he's smart, too. There, there are people that, that run into situations they should not run into. They do. And they get themselves in a whole lot of trouble. And so, listen, it's one thing to be brave. It's another thing to be stupid. All right. So this doesn't make Moses a coward. He's, he's literally running to preserve his life. He, he runs, he's, he's here in Midian, and he chases off these shepherds, and then he actually gives these uh, women some water. And the Bible says here in verse 21 that when they get back to their dad, they tell their dad what happened, and the dad says, well, why didn't you just invite him in for dinner? And they say, okay, well, we'll invite him. So they invite him in, and the Bible says in verse 21 that Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with them. He settled there with them. God will settle you. The Bible said in six, Psalm 68 and 6, it says God settles the lonely in families. God wants to settle you before he uses you. Some of you, and this is what the church is all about. This is literally Psalm 68 and 6 is a picture of what God uses the church to do. Some of you might, um, you, you might have family, but even in that family, you feel very lonely. And what God wants to do with your church family is take the loneliness out of your life. And he wants to settle you into something and somewhere where he can begin to then, next thing, he wants to train you. He wants to train you. That's why I would encourage you to stay in a church for an extended period of time because God sets you in a place not to just heal you of your loneliness, but he settles you there to train you there. The Bible says in just a couple verses in Exodus 2, it says, and so a long time passed and the Pharaoh died. A long time passed. Moses was in a place that he was not familiar with around some people that he didn't grow up with, but God settled him there. And sometimes we miss the miraculous because we won't move away from what is comfortable in our lives. And very often the place that God wants us to settle doesn't look like the place we came from. Why? Because now the place I'm taking you into, it's a challenge for you. And it's a challenge for you. It's a challenge because I want to train you there. God wants to train you in not familiar places, but unfamiliar places. That's why, that's why no job should be too small for you. That's why no job should be too small for you. That's why you shouldn't be sitting on your couch waiting for a big thing to open up, and you won't take small things until the big thing opens up. I'm t I, I have an education from here. I have a degree from here. I refuse to work at Chick-fil-A. Why? Because I'm CEO material. Well, what if God is trying to train you 
before he takes you, Mr. Big Shot CEO, with your fancy resume, but still can't get a job? What if God is saying, I can't give you that until I train you with serving in a place you don't fit? It's not comfortable to you. You don't even feel like you belong there. Moses was so uncomfortable in this place that when his firstborn son was born, he named him a stranger in a foreign land. He was so uncomfortable with this place, he named his son a foreigner, a stranger in a strange place. That's how he described this period, literally 40 year period of God working in him and training him. How do you know he was training him? Why, because in Exodus chapter three, when God finds Moses, what is Moses doing? He's shepherding in the desert. Now, it's not what he is ultimately called to. And sheep are definitely not as important as people. But how did he learn to take people through a wilderness? He took sheep into and through the wilderness. See, God will train you and give you, give you areas of expertise in places that you thought were beneath you, in places that you thought were below you, in places that don't match up to your resume. God will train you and build character in you so that when you are the CEO, you understand what it's like to work as a cook in a line making chicken nuggets. And that's why the Bible says that Moses was the most patient human being on planet earth. That's what the Bible says about him. He was the most patient human being on earth. Why? Because he was willing to do in a desert for 40 years what many people would not do, what many people would not settle into. See, you think you're settling. No, God's trying to settle you. You think, I'm settling if I take this job. I'm settling if I do this. I'm settling. No, no. sometimes it's not settling. It's in, in the sense that, oh, I'm just, I'm living below what God has called me to. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's God setting, settling you in. You need some stability in your life. This is your fifth career. the seventh time you've tried. Maybe it's not that everybody else is wrong. Maybe it's you. At some point, it's like marriage. If you're in your fifth one, at some point, you've got to maybe look in the mirror and say, the common denominator in all of these failed marriages is me. Doesn't make you bad. It just makes you somebody that's not recognizing the common problem in all of your issues is not the devil. It's not other people. It's not because people don't recognize me. It's not because people don't care. It's not because people don't know the champion that I am. No, maybe it's that you haven't learned the lessons you needed to learn. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Because some of you are going back and forth right now. And, and you're sitting and you're waiting for something big to open up. And you won't do something small. He will settle you. He will train you. Exodus 3.1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. 
Psalm 144 and one, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And then watch this, he will, he will show you. Exodus three and four, God called to him from the middle of the bush. He's out in the middle of nowhere, tending sheep. He's a stranger in a foreign land. And God says, it's time to show him what this has all been about. And he says this, he says, God, it says, God called to him from the middle of the bush. And he said, Moses, and then he said his name again, Moses. It's, a, it's an indicator that God is making a covenant. It's an indicator that God is making a decision. It's this indicator that God's getting ready to say something. And when he says it, it's established and it will be. He says, Moses, Moses, here I am. Here I am. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 say, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for a way to show himself to you. But are you willing to be trained by him? Are you willing to be settled by him? Are you willing to let him work what he needs to work in your life so that when he comes to you, look, watch this. Moses is nearly 80 years old. He's got a murder record. He's living in a strange place. Life has to be looking like it makes no sense. I don't know my parents, and the guy I thought was my dad wants to kill me. I'm out here with people I didn't grow up with, people I don't know. What is all of this about? And some of you are thinking that today. All of this madness that has happened in your life. What is all of this about? Can I encourage you? Stay faithful. Because one day, I don't know how old you'll be. One day, you'll be walking some sheep in a strange place of your life, in the middle of a desert. And God will say to you, Moses, Moses. Call of God is revealed in an encounter with God. And some of you are, are an encounter away from everything in your life turning around. And everything that you've been through starts to make sense. God did all of that to bring me here. So don't give up. Why? Because Moses was 80. You're never too old for an encounter with God. You're never too old or too young to be called by God. Will you stand with me today? Well, Robbie, what do I do? What do I do? How do I, how do I act when, when all of this is 
going on in my life? How do I, how do I respond? What do I say to the call of God in my life? I'm gonna just give you three quick things. I'm gonna leave you with these and we're gonna pray. First of all, start where you are. When God encounters Moses in Exodus 3, the Bible says in verse 11 through 12, it says, but Moses said to God, when God said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses basically says, well, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. See, listen, it doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. Doesn't. So start where you are. Some, some people are waiting on stuff to line up and everything to kind of get in its place and in its cat. Just, just start where you are because where you are is where he is. He is with you. Well, God, I, sh- I, I should have gotten off to a better start. I should, have, I should have prepared better. I should, no, 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 no. I am with you here. We can't do anything about the past. We can't do anything about the mistake in Egypt, Moses. We can't do anything about the past 40 years. Where we are is where we are. Let's do something where we are. I am with you. Start where you are. Start where you are. Second thing, use what you have. Exodus 4, Moses says this. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. Why was the staff in his hand? Because he was a shepherd. (laughs) He was simply doing his daily work. And God used what he was doing on the daily as a means of deliverance for millions of people. So you might not think you're making a big deal of a difference, but you are. You're like, Rob, I'm just raising kids. Oh, no, 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 you're not just raising kids. No, you, you see it too small. Moses was like, who am I? I'm just a shepherd. All I have is this. And, and, and God looks at you and says the same thing. Oh man, use what is in your hand. You're waiting for some like power to come upon you and like light beams to come out of your eyeballs and to like levitate or do something crazy. God's like, I don't need all of that craziness. I, what's in your hand? I'm gonna take what's in your hand and I'm gonna take what you do on the daily and I'm gonna put my supernatural power on it. I don't know what you do on the daily. What do you repair things? Do, do you, are you a single mom? Or are you a widow? Are you good with numbers? Are you good with kids? Can you cook? Can you shop? Are you a writer? Have you been through some stuff? You, there are all types of things. Are you friendly? Are, do, do you like to run? Do, no matter how slow you go, in your ability, when God puts his supernatural power on it, You'll lap everybody. Everybody. And the third thing is, do what you can. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. And God said, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Watch this. You do what you can. Why? Because you overcome your fears by expanding your comfort zone. I used, how do you, my, my papa used to say this. He's like, he's like, well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's nasty, elephant, eating an elephant. <laughs> but I understand what he's saying. You overcome your fear by expanding your comfort zone. You take a step today. You can't heal your marriage today, but you can say, I'm sorry today. 
You can't change the world today, but you can invite someone to lunch after church. Do what you can, amen?